All right, we are live with Cappuccino Cunnilingus, episode number 32. Uh, had a delay from Tuesday. Uh, it is currently Thursday. I should have this up over the weekend sometime. Uh, I'm here today with the owner of Famous Faces and Funnies, Rick Shea. We are here today to talk about a really great movie that came out recently, Logan, based on the Old Man Logan storyline from Marvel Comics. And uh, I saw it, I was able to see it uh, the preview night on Thursday. You were handing out comics and uh, tickets for the local Comic Con that's coming up soon. Yeah, very good. Uh, I wanted because I wanted to hear what you had to say about it. I love the movie, and I thought that if it doesn't win an Oscar, like it, it'll be it'll be a sad day if this right. does not win an Oscar. It yeah. was incredible. Uh, Patrick Stewart and Hugh Jackman were phenomenal, and I believe that if they don't receive awards for this, then the entire point of the movie was lost right. because they put the best performances they've ever had on the screen. I agree. Yeah, I mean, I'm right there with you. I think the movie was phenomenal. Not only the best uh, Wolverine or X-Men movie, but one of the best comic movies ever. Uh, did a great job of just being... Um, being uh, accessible to, to people, even if they hadn't seen the previous movies. Uh, you, you didn't have to have a comics PhD to understand what was happening. They did a great job of pulling from Old Man Logan, but not being a um, slave to the continuity of it. And, and they did a great job just, you know, with a great story that was phenomenal and kept you engaged for, you know, uh, for two and a half hours. I mean, it's it's a hard thing to do, a, especially a comic book movie, two and a half hours and really, really keep everyone's attention. But sure enough, just one of the best comic movies we've ever seen. And yeah, hats off to everyone involved in just making one of the best uh, best uh, genre films we've ever ever seen. There were two points, like near the end of the movie, I was just like, "It's got to be ending now. Like, right. it's got to be, it's got to be like here. Like, this is like this has got to be like the last stand right here." Yeah. And then it wasn't. Right. <laughs> and then it kept going for another twenty minutes, and it got to that point again. And I was like, "Really? We're going again? Sweet. Yeah. All right." And then you get to you get to. Oh, fuck, what's it called? The the city that they were trying to get to. Eden. Eden, They, right, they right. were trying to... The entire story was they were trying to get X-23 to Eden. Right. And it was... I'm glad... I'm kind of interested in the fact that they use the X-Men comic... Right, it was pretty clever. ...to push his story forward. Yeah. Because Eden was a place in... Uh, issue... Oh, Issue one seventy three or five, somewhere right around there. Yeah, it was in one of those one of those uh, issues, and uh, it was like this like space age looking uh, facility. And when they arrived to Eden, it was just the uh, childhood experiments there, right. trying to escape to Canada, and yeah. it was just shacks like from summer camp, right? You know, and I think the interesting part was. You know his entire his in, the the entire story of Wolverine. I know we all pretty much hate X Men Origins, but right. <laughs> you know his story begins in Canada and it ends in Canada. Yeah, you definitely. Know, it's it's he's almost two hundred years old at this point. You know, right. if you're going by that continuity, yeah. it seems like they really wanted to give back to the audience for saying we're sorry that we had to put you through so many bad times. We're going to make this up to you now. Right. I agree. I mean, yeah, hats off. They just did a phenomenal job of just keeping everyone's interest. And, um, again, pulling off a bit of the continuity of the previous films, but not um, not 
you know, making it where you, you wouldn't understand if you hadn't seen them. So it was, it was great just to nod to all the great times, uh, all the great storylines that tied into Wolverine and the X-Men. And, uh, yeah, just excellent, excellent job on this movie. Just definitely one of the best, uh, best comic movies we've ever seen. So, um, considering the previous Wolverine movies were not as well liked as, as some of the, you know, better X-Men movies, uh, I couldn't believe just how incredibly violent it was. I mean, it rivals or maybe even beats Deadpool for the amount of, you know, just craziness of him, you know, slicing like people's faces up and stuff. Just crazy. <laughs> Deadpool, Deadpool, I felt to me, was more more violent. Wolver, uh, Logan was gory. Right, like, oh yeah. When you saw the claws go through the guy's yeah, head, right, right. you saw the brain matter come up and then the blood shoot out yeah, the bottom. Yeah, it was like, intense. That's... I mean, it was just, yeah, awesome. I mean, this, the special effects were absolutely incredible. The scenes with... Uh, Professor Xavier, you know, having a seizure and all, you know, Wolverine slowly killing these people, trying to kill uh, Professor Xavier as he's trying to, um, you know, get to him. And all these other people are frozen and, and a second away from killing him. So, yeah, it was wild. I mean, they just did an awesome job. Really, really cool, um, cool scenes we haven't seen in movies before. And just um, all around, just hats off to everyone involved. Now, what really, what, what was interesting to me, especially with the whole Professor X story that they had going on, uh, we had talked about this before we had started, the Westchester incident. And for those that aren't comic book fans or X-Men fans, Westchester is where the school for uh, the gifted is right. that uh, Professor X owns. And uh, it is assumed that uh, because of his Alzheimer's or whatever degenerative brain disease he has, they never really specified, yeah. uh, that he was the one that essentially with his seizure and the way that his brain sent out massive waves like that he was the one that killed most of the x-men right and i think it was smart for them not to include that scene right one budget issues yeah <laughs> i feel like that would that would have been a huge part of it uh and two you know we just had a movie last year that introduced us to two new X-Men characters. Right. To at least the continuity that they have now. Yeah. And even if you were able to get those characters in there, you still have a hundred other X-Men that right. you know, it would be throw it would be throwing a whole bunch of story away to cast them just to kill them off. Right. I agree. In ten seconds. Yeah. So I think just leaving it up to the imagination of who did he kill? How many did he kill? I mean, they said, I think the number was seven right. people, wow. and he injured 600, gotcha. and in Vegas it was like 300, and they just found the dead bodies that were in the hotel room, but they didn't count those. Right. So, you're talking about a massive brainwave that, if left unchecked, probably would have killed everybody in that hotel. Right, yeah, just the world's most powerful, uh, you know, telepath, telepath basically... Um, like, world's most powerful mind, I mean, just unchecked, if, if that belonged to a villain, you know, it would have been really, really bad. So here's this guy who's, you know, uh, the, the person who's responsible for getting all the mutants together, getting all the X-Men together, and trying to make sure mutants are living a peaceful life and doing everything he can to train those that need training. And, uh, you know, just as he gets older, of course, he, he uh, you know, loses tr control of his powers, and it leads to some pretty interesting uh, some pretty interesting stories. So, yeah, it's, uh, they, they did an excellent job with it. Now, it threw me off at first when I heard when I heard uh, uh, Charles Xavier say "fuck" for the first time. It right, really yeah. threw me off because I was like, he's normally the really reserved one. That right. like he's almost like the Captain America of the X Men universe right, in the exactly. sense that he's like professional and you know 
well kept and is very literate with uh, the way he speaks. Right. Uh, so I'm. It threw me off at first, and then I realized, oh wait, this is rated R. Yeah. We're in for a good time. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's that's the funny thing is this uh, this year I think it's a, the first uh, there's not a whole lot of R-rated superhero movies. Uh, so seeing I think that you know in this last year seeing two R-rated superhero movies that definitely push you know, push their way to a hard R uh, with this level of violence and, and language and everything like that. It's great to see that the audience embraces it. And as that audience that started off maybe younger watching these movies, you know, grows up. They've had of, 17 years to develop an interest. Right, of course, definitely. So it, it is, it's, uh, you know, it's it's funny that the, the audience that started literally as children with this is now old enough, literally 17 years later, of <laughs> X-Men movies too, um, is now old enough to see R-rated movies. And, uh, yeah, they've, they've done an excellent job of just, move, you know, moving ahead with the times. It, ten years ago, they never would have thought of an R-rated superhero movie. Of, because of the last thing. one failed almost horribly. Right, yeah. So, I mean, that's just it. Is is uh, um, they, they did an excellent job of just of reaching out. The, the funny thing is, this movie and even Deadpool, like, been in the theater and was like, wow, there's some really young kids here. Maybe some parents really don't understand. This isn't like... <laughs> slipping by with one f word or whatever it's like no this whole movie is just fuck this fuck that whatever it's just excessive violence and it's like damn you know it's <laughs> hey if the parents are cool with it whatever so i was the same way my parents let me watch whatever i wanted but uh you know um it's yeah some some parents i'm sure are walking out going oh wow that was a lot harsher and <laughs> more violent and more crazy than i expected so you never know timmy how much of that movie did you understand right <laughs> they saved canada right. <laughs> uh uh what what was something that you didn't like about the movie? Because I felt like there, it was really good overall, but there was one thing specifically to me that kind of didn't sit well, and I want to know if it was the same thing for you. Um, for the most part, I really enjoyed it. I mean, I, I really, uh, there's not much I can, I can nitpick on it. I mean, I thought they did an excellent job, and just uh, overall, it was, I definitely went in. Even hearing all the hype, I didn't get a chance to check it out until a few days after it was out, but everyone that saw it, you know, loved it. I heard one or two people say it was okay, and I was like, oh, that's surprising, you know, considering um, how well, well uh, loved this movie was. I know it did really, really well this weekend. So, yeah, for me, I don't really have any have any uh, complaints. I think, you know, I went in even, even with high expectations. I went out, you know, uh, very, very pleased with it and really, really enjoyed it. So, um, yeah, I, I can't really think of anything that, um, that I can pick apart on this film. I thought it was excellent, and I, I really thought two and a half hours might drag a little, but yeah, for the most part, I just you know kept my interest every second of it, and they did a great job with it. The the moment for me that kind of like took me out of it was when they first introduced X twenty four, right? The full Wolverine clone. Gotcha. Because to me, it you could tell that they used a body double and then right. just superimposed its face onto it. Sure. Like kind of like Terminator Salvation. Yeah. Like I felt like that was. Because that's what drawn me out of that movie, too, was just like, I know that's not Arnold Schwarzenegger. Right. I just know that it's not him. Yeah. <laughs> so I felt like that was the only part that, you know, really threw me off. Like, they could have gotten, they easily could have gotten somebody else to, right. you know, play that character or introduce somebody uh, different that wasn't, you know, necessarily exactly a clone. Right. But it, that's the only part that really threw me off. And it wasn't, like, like bad that it's like, I hate this. No, it was like, it just kind of took me out of it a little bit. It right. was, uh, especially with spoilers, the death of Professor X, like that scene kind of like threw me for a loop. Because yeah. at first I honestly thought it yeah. was Logan. Yeah, of course. I mean, that was the shock for the audience where you're like, wait, what the, you know, and he comes in and he's like, it wasn't me, it wasn't me, it wasn't me, you know, but 
yeah, it was definitely pretty pretty shocking. It took me a second to realize what was happening, and then I'm like, wait a minute, he, he's not back yet. What the? So yeah, it was it was I um it didn't it didn't uh, bother me as much, but at the same time, I could see that being a being where you're coming from. Um, yeah, it was definitely interesting, and that I guess um you know some people have kind of said, oh well, the original reason that there was an X23 is that they couldn't you know straight up clone Wolverine, or that it was that the the DNA they had didn't properly work to make a full on Wolverine clone. And that's where X23 came in. Mm-hmm. So it's like wait, wait a minute, how suddenly are they able to make an exact replica of? <laughs> Of Wolverine later on. I mean, it just seems seems uh, um, a little off, but no, overall, um, overall, yeah, really didn't didn't bother me as much. And it was it made for an interesting fight, uh, like younger, uh, less battle scarred, and you know, uh, more more younger version of Wolverine versus like this this old guy that's fallen apart, you know, after hundreds of uh, you know almost two hundred years or whatever. So um, I thought it was interesting, but um, but yeah, I can I can see that being a part that might take you out a little. Did it? Did you ever pick up? why they said uh he was dying like i never i i kind of picked it up here and there online but it doesn't really like fit i feel like i missed it like they Um, whether it was the adamantium that's like unbinding from his skeleton or if it's adamantium itself that's poisoning him and can't heal anymore right yeah i think um i think it might be the adamantium but yeah I, i don't think they made it super clear i just took that it was a matter of how many times has he you know gotten so close to um, gotten so close to dying, his body can only do so much. Even you know, after I don't think anyone was supposed to be, uh, even with the healing factor, the fact that he's he's almost 200 years old and has been through all this crazy shit and just um, everything from with between that and surviving at least a few, um, you know, seizures from Professor Xavier, obviously taking a lot out of him physically and and mentally and everything. So um, yeah, I don't know. I don't think they made it super clear. I think it's just a matter of yeah, the adamantium somehow slowly. Mm-hmm. Uh, poisoning. I don't think they put it in him. Going, oh well, let's think of his long-term health as we're, you know, we're giving him uh, this this crazy thing that can cut through anything. So, um, so yeah, I, I didn't pick up anything specific. I just I understand where where it was going, and um, uh, yeah, I thought I thought it worked. I thought it was okay that it was kind of mysterious, just because for so many years, obviously Wolverine was a super mysterious character. You didn't know anything about his origin or whatever his real name or anything um, until you know about uh, God 12, 15 years ago in the um, you know, Joe Quesada said, you know, what's the one story we never want to tell? All right, let's tell it, you know, and they just finally, finally said, screw it, you know, and obviously some people were like, no, you should never tell his origin. And he's like, this character's been around for, you know, 35, 40 years, and we should finally get around to it and just tell his origin, and, you know, um, why not, you know, and it was, it was interesting. Even his origin story has a pretty good twist or two, um, in there, so they did a good job with, uh, with that one, and, um, and yeah, and it's pretty, pretty cool seeing his early days, and they're not exactly what you expect, you know, building up to him you know, going into Weapon X, which, of course, they, they told that a little bit earlier, but um, showing Wolverine as a, um, you know, as a, as a teenager in, um, you know, in the, the mid-1800s, pretty uh, or pretty interesting. So, yeah, um, I, I, th- I thought it was cool. I thought it all worked worked well in the movie. So. Now, something that bothers me outside of that is uh, the day before the movie came out, Patrick Stewart said, all right, I think I'm retired from playing Professor X for right. for clear reasons. I right. mean, he dies in the movie. Yeah. But over the past three days, he's come out twice and said, "Oh yeah, I'd come back for this. Right, oh yeah. yeah, I'd come back for this." Right. Yeah. Like, dude, it's kind of funny. Right? <laughs> Don't say something and then like two and days later be like, "Oh yeah, I'd come back for that." Right. It does seem a little silly, you know. But like. I, it would have just. It would have been fine if he would have said, "Yeah, I'm completely open to coming back for more things." It's just nothing 
pee on this. Like, because right. they, I think they, they based the movie in 2029, and Days right. of Future Past was like 2024. I think so, yeah. So it's like five year difference there. It's like, well, in those five years, he really can't do anything, and past 2029, he's dead. Right. So anything before that, sure, play around with it. Right. And as long as he's still there, why not? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I think that's, I understand. Uh, he's definitely, it's silly. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. I, I I would be shocked if he doesn't end up at least a small part of, of any upcoming X-Men movies. But Or even on Legion. Right. And he said he would be willing to come back for an episode on Legion, which, right. I mean, he's, he's done... Uh, one season or possibly two of a TV show on Showtime. So he's yeah. not he's not one of those I will snub my nose to TV. Right, like exactly. He's, right, that's where he came up. Yeah. He's willing he's willing to do the Samuel L. Jackson Nick Fury thing and appear right. in one yeah. episode. I think that would be awesome if the season finale actually saw Professor Xavier and that it you know is more directly tied into the the movies and stuff like that. So that would be phenomenal if that actually happens where all of a sudden we see Patrick Stewart at the season finale. I'm not holding my breath. I know they've only got a few episodes of Legion left, but we'll see what happens. Mm -hmm. Now, have you been enjoying Legion? Um, I haven't had a chance to, to dive into it just yet. It's one of those, like, um, uh, my friend Paul that works here is the biggest X-Men fan, and he is, he is loving the show so far. Um, it does take a lot of liberties from the... Um, from the comics, but he said is one of those shows that is just, you need to give it 110% of your attention. I barely have a chance. Even my favorite TV shows, even Flash and Arrow and all the shows I love, I'm usually watching on my phone as I'm moving stuff around on the shelves or whatever, because, <laughs> I mean, it, it's it's a pretty uh, pretty first world problem to be like, oh my god, there's too many TV shows I want to watch. So I, I barely can sit down, you know, with nothing else on my mind and nothing else to do. So I'm like moving stuff around on the shelves and doing reorders, whatever, and I'll occasionally miss something and go, that sounds important. Let me rewind that 10 seconds, you know. Mm -hmm. But uh, but yeah, no, Legion's one of those. Uh, apparently, it sounds like I probably won't have a chance to check it out for a few weeks to get sit down and give it 100% of my attention watching it at home because that's a, that's a rarity for, for like full on free time with nothing else going on. But um, but yeah, everyone I know um, watching so far seems to really like it. Paul's enjoyed, enjoy, enjoying it, and he's the biggest X-Men fan I know. So um, yeah, they definitely haven't done uh, anything that's stuck exactly from the um, from the comics, but they they took the the best elements of the character and made it you know made it make sense. So it kind of fits with the X-Men Legacy run, the uh, the series that was kind of about him um, uh, that ran about 25 issues or so a few years ago. So um, so yeah, so at least it sounds like they're doing a good job with it so far. I was able to catch, I think, uh, the second episode. Right. And it caught my interest enough to be like, yeah, I'll, I'll catch it like once it's finished and right. be able to go back and watch it all the way through. Because yeah. one, one of the hardest things that is is to be able to watch something live and have to deal with right. like, commercials or having to watch it on like an app and deal with like the interruptions. Right. Because when I watch it, I want to be able to just immerse myself in it. Right, I agree. To really accept it. Right. Like... Even this week, uh, with what was it, Legends of Tomorrow? Right. Uh, did you watch? Did you watch it this week? No, yet? I haven't had. That's the only show I have. I haven't seen that or Arrow yet this week, but I'm, I'm caught up on the rest of. It. I watched Flash and Supergirl already this week, so it was it the the um, Land of the Lost kind of episode. Is that the like? Uh, kinda. Right. It was uh, basically they get stuck in the Cretaceous period, right. and they need to save Rip. Gotcha. Because the, they had kid, they had finally gotten him in the ship again so right. they need to uh, brain stuff yeah get his, get his mind right so uh i feel like uh especially with the dc tv shows they they know how to do tv right oh, and yeah, i wish 
I wish Marvel would take that a little bit because right. the reviews for Iron Fist just came out like yesterday. Right. And there's uh, the people that are comic book fans and have know the source material are like, yeah, it's all right. It's pretty good. Right. And But then there's other sources that are like, this is laughably bad. Really? And wow, I'm just like... Sucks. Yeah, that's too bad. You all praise Luke Cage and Jessica Jones and right. you even gave Daredevil a chance. Yeah. But this one's the one you're like, Weird. no. That's a shame. Yeah, it's, it seems like Marvel, Netflix, so far, if, if this really is a dud, this will be their first dud, because so far, I mean, they've just turned characters that weren't really household names into household names by just putting out a great great series for each. I mean, phenomenal, uh, pulled some actors out of, out of nowhere that have, you know, obviously blown up over the last few years. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping it's just a few few people maybe jaded just because of how much good you know, comic book TV series and comic movies we have that it takes, you know, I think at this point there's some people, if it's not a 12 out of 10, they're like, oh, this sucks, you know, so mm-hmm. uh, there's some movies, obviously, that get picked apart. Uh, I'm a little biased as a giant DC fan, but I see that, obviously, in the DC uh, movies where people are like, oh, Suicide Squad sucked, Batman vs. Superman sucked, and I'm like, I'm not, they, they're not perfect movies, but I don't think they deserve the... The they don't deserve the hate. Get. They're right. they're good yeah. for what they are. I've enjoyed them, but yeah, I just yeah. So I feel like that's that's the thing. I wonder if this is the beginning of Marvel finally catching, you know, when when everything you do is a nine or ten out of ten. If you're if you only have an eight point five, people are going to pretend it's like a it's garbage or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. You never know. There's always some some people are just too hard to please. So and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. That to me, like it's whether they're comic book fans that you know work for these work for these outlets that you know were saying oh it's bad because this this and this you we should be thankful that we're getting it like right, that, exactly. that that should be like issue number one you get it right all right now now that we've accepted that we're thankful that we get it right this was different from this yeah. and this is how i think it should have been right. not burn down the whole fucking building right yeah i agree <laughs> Because I feel like that's that that gets lost, and right. especially now because we have so much of it. Because yeah. it's maybe close to being the number one source of entertainment now, especially in yeah. movies. Right. When Disney is willing to drop half a billion dollars to make Infinity War. Exactly. Right. And that's just for the one movie. Yeah, that's intense, right? I mean, they're they're willing to put five hundred million down and say we're invested in this. Right, of course. And, and yeah, it'll it'll be gigantic. I mean, that could be the biggest grossing movie of all time. <laughs> I I would be. be shocked if it doesn't pass two billion. Right. Because oh, exactly. they, they want that return. Right. They'll get it. They they will get it with the the all of the things coming together for this movie. I mean, hands down, like I think it's gonna they they have such fantastic source material to pick from, and literally even if they just said, hey, look, Infinity Gauntlet word for word <laughs> you know they could it would be great because that's hands down one of the best marvel events or comic events period and uh yeah it's, it's going to be phenomenal my, my only fear is where are we five years from now when the next big thing is you know uh they obviously have done civil war which is one of the one of the best marvel events they've done mm-hmm. infinity gauntlet is about to happen and my only fear is where do we go from marvel phase three or four which is what are they going to do secret evasion or fear itself as a movie not exactly none of those really left the audience going oh my god this is so great i can't wait for what what happens next you know whereas infinity gauntlet just even all the side stories were phenomenal and just just really really delivered so um it'll, yeah it'll be interesting to see but hats off man marvel so far has just done an excellent job on their their movies and um 
I keep kind of saying I wish their I wish their their comics could kind of take the lead, like put out less and and do a better job on them rather than just flooding the market. I mean, there's a reason you don't see Marvel putting out a movie every every two weeks and going, oh, what, you know, we're not flooding the market at all. You know, that would be a bad <laughs> idea if they were to put out too many comic movies and just you know, uh, I'd rather have a few that are all fantastic and make tons of money and you know they and then they keep making them rather than them overdoing it where it's you know where people get sick of it. So I do think um. I think these next few years we will see more diversity as far as like more um, comedies, more more you know. Uh, at one point I know this is way back, but at one point they were talking about making a Green Lantern movie with Jack Black or like somebody you know more more comedic. And, and I mean they were they were like moving ahead with it because they were like, well, if we keep doing superhero movies that are all serious, you know, it's eventually gonna gonna dry itself up. And obviously mm-hmm. that was sixty five superhero movies ago yeah. <laughs> that they were saying this, but at the same time. I get where they're coming from. There could definitely be some... Obviously, the DC stuff as it is is much darker than Marvel, and they catch a lot of static for that. But um, I really feel like um, eventually we're going to see more stuff that's... Look, look at DC, that Powerless show. I've enjoyed the hell out of that. I just watched the first few episodes. To watch it it's great. The first three episodes were wonderful. I actually watched the second and third twice just because... I was like, oh, I think I missed a joke or two. Let me let me rewatch these. And uh, awesome cast. I mean, just great, great one-liners. So many cool little um, Easter eggs for the the people that are comic fans. But it doesn't take you out of it if you don't know every little joke about you know about this obscure Batman or Superman villain or whatever. I mean, they they keep referencing Crimson Fox, who's a pretty obscure character from Justice Damn. League Europe. Yeah, and that's like the running joke that like Crimson Fox in the first episode, and then like the. Uh, Vanessa Hudgens' character is like, oh, I picked Crimson Fox in the superhero. Should I pick Batman or Crimson Fox? You know, she's <laughs> like, uh, and they're like, oh, well, you met Crimson Fox. You pick her. And they're like, sucker. And then of course, <laughs> Crimson Fox like saves the day, and so they get points in their like superhero fantasy league for who saves lives and stuff. But yeah, it's a, a powerless. I've enjoyed the hell out of, it, and I, I would like to see more. Um, I would like to see more uh, comedy kind of kind of movies. I mean, you don't want to see a funny Batman. Well, ironically enough, Lego Batman, of course, great, but you don't want to see like a live action, like comedy Batman movie where that would be a, a tough one. But. I think, I think you could do a live action comedy Batman movie. Right. If instead of Batman as a lead, it's the Joker. Right. Like, oh yeah. If you, if you let somebody who can play the Joker well, right. whether it be Jared Leto or not, right. If you can let them go two and a half hours with, Every prank, every joke, right. every every little gag that he's ever done in the yeah. comic books, just to pick from. Yeah. And you just let him play mind games with Batman for a whole movie. That'd be pretty wild. You could get away with doing a comedy Batman movie. Right. You couldn't do that with Batman being the main character. He'd have to I be agree. the supporting character. Yeah, of course. But I think, like, especially because... Now we're seeing... I felt Suicide Squad wasn't as dark as what a lot of people said it was. Right, I agree. It, yeah. it was dark in its tone and sure. the way that it was shot and filmed because it used a lot of shadow. Yeah. But overall, it's a comedy. You're, your co-headliner is Harley Quinn. Yeah. You're, yeah. you're going to get comedy there. Right. So I don't, I don't think that their problem is they're dark. I think they just need to find something and stick with it. And we've seen that be a problem because Flash, the, Fl- the Flash movie's gone through three directors now. That's crazy, right? And they just put out test footage of Aquaman like 10 days ago, and it looks phenomenal. Right. And they had the guy, like, Willy Wolney, but he's been, like, this diehard guy this entire time saying, I'm doing this, we're going to do it right. Yeah. And the footage was phenomenal. Like, it was just Jason Momoa swimming. Right. But it was phenomenal. Cool. So, I feel like, especially with DC, they can be dark. 
they can do the dark tone. Yeah. Just be willing to give more story. I feel like that's the part that's lost. Gotcha. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, like I said, it's it's a miracle like that we have so many amazing comic book TV shows, so many comic movies. I mean, it's funny growing up where it was like, oh, my God, look, there's one comic movie this summer. This is awesome. Or the whole year, you know, and now it's like, oh, my God, it seems like everything. And yet we're getting get, six this year. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you get you get to the end of the year and you're like, oh, my God, look, and five, five of the top ten movies will be, if not six, you know, will be of come from comic books and it's even even you know obviously superheroes are the ones that dominate the box office but even some of the um you know just oddball movies and and there's still people walking around my store and they go oh eight ball I, or uh, i mean uh, uh ghost world i didn't know ghost world was a was based on a comic what the, oh they made a comic of this movie no they made a movie of the of a comic <laughs> that was around 10 years earlier you know so it's funny kind of seeing just oddball stuff that was from uh you know from vertigo or from fanographics or from you know uh whatever uh independent publisher become movies and i think we're, we're seeing more of that i mean i i think the next three or four years we're going to see a lot more image tv shows um and image movies obviously walking dead is one of the biggest things on tv and obviously the the you know the comics been coming out since 2002 and just has been a big hit all the way through but um yeah i think i think they definitely um I've opened the door for, uh, you know, I'm waiting for that Why the Last Man. That's my favorite comic of all time. And, uh, you know, and Brian K. Vaughn is involved. He's my favorite comic writer in, in history. Um, between that, but it's funny, I think we'll actually will see Runaways first, which they've already got an amazing mm -hmm. cast for on Hulu. I mean, just uh, they've done a great job picking the kids. Once they announced the, the parents, it was like, oh, my God, this is perfect. you got some great people in here with, you know, have already done genre stuff like this. So, yeah, the, the cast list for... Runaways is uh, phenomenal, and I think Hulu's going to just knock that out of the park. It, you know, they could literally go same thing word for word from these phenomenal scripts, maybe update a few of the pop culture references from, you know, 15 years ago. <laughs> but other than that, uh, having, having uh, BKB involved in that, I think it's going to be really a strong show and guide the door for, oh, my God, what else can we do? What else can we turn into a TV series? And it's like there's so many good things out there. So They're also yeah. taking Cloak and Dagger, too. Like, right, you, yeah. If you're, if, you're, if you're a Marvel person, like, this is – like the holy grail for you right now right oh yeah you're getting all these b and c list characters turned right. into gold yeah and i see no reason why none of these should be like everybody must watch yeah so i mean that's just it it's, it's uh yeah i think freeform right is the one yeah. doing cloak and dagger which abc family previously yeah. that's right yeah they have i watched a few shows on the dead of summer show really surprised me it was very impressive um the one with the girl in the tank and she can go into people's memories and totally forgetting the, the name of that. I feel like things can start. To, yeah. But, um, there, there's been a few good shows on there I've enjoyed. And so I, I think they'll do a good job with cloak and dagger, but, um, but yeah, overall, uh, it is, it's just awesome to see so many great, um, TV shows. It's funny. I think I watch, you know, out of almost all the, I watch a good chunk of TV. I'm much more of a TV person as a guy who sells serial, you know, entertainment for a living of just what happens next with this character, you know? So, um, we definitely see uh, the TV shows, especially the less people that know it's a um, comic book before, Cloak and Dagger will probably bring in more people than the next, you know, Spider-Man movie, as weird as that is. Because even though Spider-Man will be seen by millions of people... It's already had five movies. Correct, right, yeah. It's already got a ton of people. Everyone in the world knows that came from comics, whereas um, something obscure, uh, you know, and something like Walking Dead is still bringing new people. And here we are in season seven at this point, and people go, oh, it hit the halfway point, or hit, oh, we're about to hit this part, okay, let me go and, uh, you know, start with the Graffinelles right where Negan comes in or whatever, so... Um, yeah, I think stuff like Cloak and Dagger Runaways will bring in a lot more people than the average, uh, you know, the next Avengers or the next Spider-Man or Batman movie or whatever. So it's definitely uh, definitely cool to see so many new people all the time getting excited about comics. 
Now, speaking of exciting casting, just before we started the the podcast, uh, Ryan Reynolds announced on Twitter that uh, Zazie Betts, uh, she's an actress from the TV show Atlanta on FX. Right. Uh, she's going to be playing Domino in Deadpool 2. Very cool. So with uh, that being said, there's only one more person that we are expecting for Deadpool 2. That, right. Like, guarantee like, that they need to be in it, and that's Cable. Right. And they had said, uh, he had tweeted a photo of him, Hugh Jackman, and, uh, was it Pierce Bronson? Wow. Or somebody? Interesting. On a couch, like, the three of them together, it was, like, the three amigos or something. Right. And, uh, it was just, everybody was like, yep, that's, that's gonna be Cable. Yeah. Everybody was like, why would he, why else would he do that? Yeah, interesting. I mean, it could have just been he was there to see some stuff on the set or whatever, but I, I would not doubt that that might be confirmed yeah, soon. Yeah, that'd be interesting. I think that's cool. There are a lot of other front runners, uh, like Stephen Lang. I think was one of them. Right. Uh, but I would I would put money down on this one. Right. I think yeah. You know, Rob Liefeld on Twitter was like Russell Crowe, Russell Crowe. <laughs> so he's the, he's the creator <laughs> of the character, co-creator of the character. So he he was pushing for that, and then uh, but yeah, we'll we'll see. You never know what's gonna happen. But yeah, I, I think that's a good. I think that would be a good choice if. Uh, um, that, that is funny that he sent out a picture on Twitter of them. I mean, that, that definitely leads to the speculation that we'll hear an announcement soon for Cable. So, very cool. Now, they didn't show... They they cut that part... They had cut the certain part out of uh, the Deadpool intro for Logan. Right. Uh, or I might have completely missed it and might have been ignoring it. I don't know. But the, the full trailer leading up to it... Uh, was that supposed to be Stanley's cameo, like in the, like the Logan movie? Was that that part there? Um, uh, the part with the Deadpool part. Yeah. About? Um, I mean, too, I don't, I don't think so. But yeah, I, I honestly hadn't hadn't read too much up on it, so yeah, I'm not too. Because he, sure. he, he, like, we all know he does like the little bit right, pieces in him. So I was like, I didn't see him throughout the entire movie. I was like, where is he? Where is he? Right. And I saw like after I got out. Oh, that was really cool that Deadpool killed Stan Lee before the movie. I was like. That was Stan Lee, right? Yeah, I, and I, was, I didn't think that was Stan Lee. No, yeah, I, I don't think I don't think so. But, but when Ryan Reynolds put out the full video, right, he goes, "Shut the fuck up, Stan Lee," right, and because he's off in the distance or whatever. Huh. So I was one. I, I just didn't know if that well, yeah, was just, supposed just, to be his bit part. I just took it as you know. I, I thought I just missed something where it was where it was just you know Deadpool unknowingly calling an old person Stan Lee or whatever. But mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe maybe it was something I missed too. Who knows? But <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Uh, let's see. What else do I have? Because we've been gone for almost two months. Right. <laughs> um, at least in recent news, at least what I can think of, uh, we did lose somebody from the, the, I don't want to say Avengers universe, but the, the Marvel TV right. universe, and yeah. that was Bill Paxton. Right. And he's been not necessarily, like, uh, like a geek icon, but he's been in enough pop culture now right. to really be like, yes, this is this is what I'm known for. He's known for 500 different roles, right? But you know, the most notable ones being Aliens and Twister and Marvel's Agents of Shield. Right. I really think that you know, there's some some people that might not have known who he was because he wasn't. 
He wasn't a main guy. He was always a supporting character. Right. And I feel like those are the ones that get lost. Right. Yeah, but I, it, is a, it is a shame. I mean, he definitely was a great actor, had so many wonderful parts, and just really, really did a did a great job. I mean, it was only part of the, the Marvel Universe with, with um, S.H.I.E.L.D. for a short time, but it was definitely an interesting character and a, kind of right at the, the interesting twist with uh, with um, Agent Ward and everything, having him right there. So, yeah, it was definitely a, definitely a big part of that show and, and, you know, part of the Marvel Universe, so... Um, but yeah, de- definitely a shame there. And uh, let's see, what else did I have? Um, I've all really enjoyed Riverdale so far. I mean, the uh, the yes. first few episodes of that have been great. Uh, the last few years, um, Archie has definitely made their comics a little more uh, grown up, and they're not they're not getting. To what the do you mean by grown up? Um, I mean they're they're definitely uh, Archie has has their uh, they still do a lot of digests and stuff like that where it's like oh look kid friendly Archie stories where it's like mm-hmm. oh look we're fighting over this or who can build the biggest sandcastle at the beach or whatever you know but um, the last few years they've really really gotten a lot more um, uh, aggressive in their marketing and reaching out to a older audience um, and the the funny thing is. Uh, Archie finally had a hit in comic stores um, with Afterlife with Archie, which started about three, three and a half years ago. Sadly, we're only at issue 10 when we should be at about issue 40 by now. Um, that book is phenomenal. I was like, uh, some of the other people that worked here, I was like, oh, did you guys read that? They were like, no, it's an Archie book. I was like, trust me, read this. And sure enough, that book was phenomenal. It just, uh, it walking dead level of violence with a bunch of characters that we know and seeing like some major characters get turned into zombies and some pretty dark dark shit where you're like, oh my god, Sabrina brought who back to life and what's going on here? You know, <laughs> so it's it's definitely awesome to have characters that are thought of as like wholesome and like um, you know just apple pie uh, become very like dark and like trying to survive a zombie apocalypse and one at a time or two at a time getting getting killed off and like oh look this this thing happens at homecoming dance or whatever and then sure enough. Uh, just one at a time, seeing these major characters getting killed and on the run, kids that have always had, like, you know, and, and oh, no, I don't know who to take to the prom. How am I going to take both Betty and Veronica to the prom? All of a sudden, it's like, how do I survive? <laughs> There's a zombie, my friend that's How do I survive friend. Betty and zombie, right. Betty and Veronica killing me at the prom? <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, so it, it's uh, Afterlife with Archie is phenomenal. And uh, there, there's a, it's funny because they've shown a few clips on there, either in, uh, you know, dream sequences or whatever of, of uh, the show kicks off with the death of a pretty minor character in Archie, um, but um, it, was it Mr. Weatherby? It's a uh, it's a uh, Jason Blossom. It's Cheryl Blossom's brother, and really? it's funny because in the in the show, it's they've taken a lot of characterizations of characters in there, and there they have a very creepy like incesty kind of vibe, brother twin brother and sister, uh, and you're like this is pretty creepy. But so they go to Lannister. <laughs> they yeah definitely they they take a uh, you know a, a card from the Game of Thrones playbook, and uh, yeah it's it's pretty pretty twisted, but um, yeah these characters that um, again people think of as oh these wholesome boring characters. And the show has done a great job. Um, Roberto Garcia, he uh, he wrote a lot of Spider-Man stuff and a little bit of Fantastic Four back in the day at Marvel. The last like five or six years, he's become effectively the executive producer of the show, the head writer, um, even even the main guy leading Archie. And um, after Life with Archie, phenomenal comic. The main issue is just why isn't this coming out? And for a while, they lost the the writer was so far behind dealing with the like Archie business stuff and dealing with the TV show happening, which now it's here and it's great. I mean, it's it's really really accessible. Um, it's cool. All all the casting. It's mostly younger um, younger actors. I'm not that that familiar with. It does have a few older actors playing the parents, like Luke Perry is Archie's dad. <laughs> Match Kanamek from Twin Peaks is um, is Betty's mom and stuff like that. So it is. Uh, they have Barb from Stranger Things. Shannon uh, Purser, I think, is her name. Mm-hmm. Is she's playing um, Ethel. So um, yeah, it's it's definitely. Uh, 
definitely some cool, um, some some gr- a great job with that show. But yeah, it is. It's, it is very uh, what you'd expect out of a CW show where there's drama and just you know who's doing this and but yeah, much more grown up content where it's not like oh yeah, this is for eight year olds, you know. Um, but yeah, so far River, uh, Riverdale's great. They're doing an awesome job and. As uh, Afterlife with Archie led into the rest of the Archie books kind of becoming more adult, and I'm doing a whole line out of it, um, it's funny that they've got talent like Mark Wade, Fiona Staples, uh, through the first few issues, my uh, artist on Saga, which is my, my favorite and best-selling book. Um, she drew a few issues in her downtime from Saga, and um, yeah, it's awesome just seeing these characters come to life and more modernized take on them, and uh, them dealing with like a you know a murder in a um, in a small town and you know, and they're not used to it and, and seeing, you know, one at a time kind of saying, Oh no, it wasn't this person's fault. It wasn't that person's fault. So, uh, pretty, pretty interesting take on the characters are doing a great job. And yeah, and it's, it's definitely led to a few more people coming in going, Oh, I want to check out the Archie comics, similar to the show. Here you go. Read road to Riverdale or read the Archie, you know, volume one and two that are out already. And, um, there's definitely a contingent. I don't think we're quite going there yet, but that think that season two or season three of this show, if they go, hey, you know what, ratings are okay. What if we did this? What if they did have the balls and to just say, okay, screw it, this is going to happen. We're going to have our big, <laughs> big showdown where it becomes Afterlife with Archie. Characters after two seasons of, of you know, being a, a you know drama show, all of a sudden becomes an action you know show of how do these characters survive in the zombie apocalypse. I don't quite think that's going to happen. I feel like but they I would. would love it. <laughs> I feel like they would save that because they did renew it for a second season. Oh yeah, right. They already. they really they really enjoy it. I, once once I get a handle on everything else, right. I, especially after you said that, I want to get into Riverdale. Oh yeah. When they announced it and they said it's going to be Archie, but like Twin Peaks, I was like, it is. Yeah. I'll I'll take that. Sure. Yeah. It's it's clever. They've done a great job of modernizing all the characters, giving them all their own twists and turns, and uh, and kind of set up a really cool long term story. But yeah, I don't quite think we're going to see that for season two. But I would love it if they said, you know what. Ratings are good. They're not quite. Let's let's turn it on its head in season three or season four. Let's make it Afterlife with Archie and just no going back. If now a zombie apocalypse after two or three seasons of a standard you know drama show, that would be amazing. So I'd love to see that happen. I'm not sure I'm in the majority there, but uh, I, I think it would be awesome if if that was you know half as good as the comic based on it. It would be phenomenal. So I would I would assume that if ratings started to go down a little bit, like right. after in season two B, I feel like right. the second half of season two B, if they were like. You know, ratings have been down like fifty percent or whatever. Right. Or at the beginning of season three, they had a, like ratings low for their premiere. Sure. They had, and they were just like on the verge of cancellation. I feel like they would go all out and just be like, "Fuck it, Afterlife yeah. with Archie." I can I can hope that it's it's uh you know well well received as it has been so far. But yeah, it would be very okay if they want to go the zombie route. It's definitely a a bold, it would be a bold move. But I think it could definitely be a, be an interesting show to be like, "Oh my God, how are Resident Three and Four higher than they were in one and two? Because they. They, you know, had the balls to try something different, and yeah, if it's if it's near as good as the comic, it will be excellent. Now, what really, what really took my interest back into it, because I never read Afterlife with Archie. What right. took my interest back into like that section of the comic books was when they did the Predator and Alien crossovers. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I felt like those were so off the wall and bonkers that I was just like. We'll try anything now. Why not? Yeah. So I feel like those were those were a good pick to really get people sure. engaged. Yeah. And then going into Afterlife with Archie, like right. I feel like that was sounds like a good choice. Oh yeah, I mean that's the thing is um, Roberto Agorasacasa and the other um, John Goldwater, the other people at the top of Archie, um, they've gotten more progressive the last few years, and it's like, oh look, Archie crosses over with Glee. It makes sense. Archie crosses over with Kiss. Okay. Uh, Archie versus Sharknado. That really is a one-shot that's out there. So, I mean, they, they definitely have done... And it came out, of course, the same time as, like, Sharknado 3 hit, premiered on Sci-Fi. Mm-hmm. So, 
they're genius as far as marketing. It took them 50 years to get to this point, but Archie's always sold better on newsstands at, you know, uh, it might, sometimes it's the only stuff left at a uh, newsstand, you know, um, alongside all the like magazines. Like 7-Eleven or something. Right, because they're the only um, company that's kept, like, a newsstand presence and they're, where they're literally, like, paying for it. But it's worked. It's it, They've done well with newsstands where they're like, oh, yeah, we sold 80, you know, 80% or 70% of our total sales this year were through newsstands and, and Barnes & Noble and Books Million, not comic book stores. And it was only the last years with Afterlife with Archie and the Archie relaunch and all the other stuff from there that they have gotten to uh, sell a little better. So, yeah, they, they have, um, yeah, Archie with the, they, they've come up with some great, clever uh, clever takes on it and modernizing the characters, and it's just led to some really, really cool comics and, and now really cool show that, of course, is also bringing in a new audience. So they're doing a great job with that. Now, while we're on comics, I wanted to jump over to DC real quick. Sure. Because uh, I don't know if the event had started yet. I've, I've been loosely keeping up with it because I want to get, I want to get the, the series itself, like as a whole, because yeah. I feel like it's important. Right. Uh, the Batman and Flash crossover, the button. Correct. Right. Uh, did that start yet? Uh, not just yet. I think it comes out on uh, mid-April, so we're about a month okay. away. We had to order a little earlier than usual. Normally, we're ordering books. Uh, it's called Final Order Cutoff or FOC. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're doing that three weeks before, and then they lock in their. I'll finish it Monday at midnight or 11.57 just in time. And then mm-hmm. the next day, DC and Marvel set their print runs and go, hey, look, uh, we have stores order 100,000. We're going to print 115,000 and have 15,000 reorders because we believe enough in that book. Or, oh, well, this one isn't a big hit. We, we had 30,000 orders. We're only going to print 32,000, 2,000 to cover shortages, damages, and a handful of reorders, and that's it. But mm-hmm. um, with this book, we ordered very aggressively. Uh, we ordered over double our standard Batman and uh, almost triple our standard Flash sales. But, um, yeah, it's it's basically starting to explain how the Watchmen thing ties in. Uh, issue 21 and 22 of Batman and Flash, and possibly one more issue beyond that. But um, those two are, ty- are basically... Uh, or I think it's just a four-part crossover. So if you just read the two issues of Batman, 21, 22, and 22, 1 and 22 of Flash, mm-hmm. um, you'll get to see how the Rorschach button ended up in the... Um, the Watchmen button ended up in the um, Batcave and what it really means. And I don't think it will reveal all the answers, but it should give us a good chunk. I know Jeff Johns is heavily involved. They said he master-plotted it, and the regular writers of Batman and Flash, Josh Williamson and Tom King, uh, they're going to be... Uh, they're, they're scripting it off of Jeff Johns' plot, so... Um, it's good to have the guy who's really in charge of the DC universe and has definitely guided them in the right direction this last last year. Uh, the Rebirth stuff's been a giant hit, and as we hit um, the end of the first year, it's it's uh, sales are still way up. Um, I did a, a a big article that um, crunched all my numbers, and I think I had four or five bat uh, four or five DC books that are down in sales. Some of them were down by only one or two copies against where they were for last January against this January. But then the other, like, 35 are up in sales, which is pretty pretty phenomenal. So uh, we're very, very happy with that. We're just we're definitely seeing a lot of um, a lot of new people coming in. And so far, the uh, Rebirth trade paperbacks have sold incredibly well. Uh, we've had to reorder every single one. Some we started off with five copies. Someone was like, oh, this is going to be big. Let me do six or seven of that. And they sell that many of a trade in the first week or two and go, oh, my God, I need another three or four more. That's insane, you know. Considering how well we sold on these to begin with, um, we weren't expecting to fly through the graphic novels. But, yeah, we've definitely sold well with them and, and seeing uh, tons of new people come in. Uh, we appreciate DC running commercials off of 
uh, for the graphic novel saying, hey, look, you want these books? Come out, you know, 15 bucks, 17 bucks. You get seven, eight issues worth of content, which is definitely a pretty good value for the price. And, mm. uh, yeah, it's definitely got a lot of new people in. So, yeah, the button crossover, I think, is it should be pretty accessible. If you've read even the just the Rebirth one shot, which was probably the best book I've read in this last year, um, you know, this is the next step. It's the next big thing. And I think a lot of stores probably under order. I kept talking up and going, guys, order more, order more. But um, we'll see. I, I think some stores definitely didn't go as aggressive as they should have and may end up running out and going, oh, man, I wish I had more copies of this. i got to wait wait a month for second prints because of the, the, you know, uh, um, I, I don't, honestly don't even think second prints will have the lenticular cover because they have to print those about eight or nine weeks before uh, in order to get those out in time. So. Mm-hmm. Now, that article was on Bleeding Cool? Uh, yeah, yeah, I've run a, written a handful of Bleeding Cool articles just about like our what our Marvel sales were, and uh, I think if you, if you search Famous Faces on there, uh, they should come up. But yeah, every, and every week, same thing. I, every uh, weekend, we contribute to the what's selling at our store, and it has been almost a clean sweep of DC and Image and Indie um, stuff, and then Marvel like barely makes our top ten, like... Last week was a rare exception. I think last week we had two Marvel books in the top ten, three independent books, and five DC books. But normally it's like six or seven DC books in the top ten for us, two indie and occasional, two or three indie, and occasionally one one Marvel book. But the Marvel books that are selling best last last one I had in the top ten was Darth Maul, hmm. and uh, so it's not even like Marvel heroes. It's, it's not, their Star, it's Star Wars. Wars line. Yeah, Darth Maul. I was afraid wouldn't sell it well because it was four ninety nine, and hmm. there's a lot of people that are like, you know what, I can barely do three ninety. Comics four ninety nine. I don't care what it is or who it is. I just refuse. I, I don't want to pay four ninety nine or five ninety nine for an issue. And mm-hmm. um, we did get some good news from Marvel. Two things in the last few days, which I gotta gotta give them credit. You know, I'll, I'll be I'll be their biggest detractor and loud about it. But when they do something right, I'm more than happy to say, hey, great job. Make do more things like that. Uh, Marvel did announce their website's going to be more proactive in going, hey, go to your local store because almost everything we've got from Marvel was like, hey, here's this thing, read it digitally, like. You guys know there's like 22, 2300 stores that are selling your product. You can definitely point people in the right direction. Yeah. And um, DC, Image, all these other places basically still have the comic shop locator service accessible from their site. And Marvel, for whatever reason, two or three years ago, stopped stopped having it on there. If it's on there, it was not even, easily found. Even so. Comixology, I think, still has something on yeah, there. Yeah, right, exactly, which is, which is good considering that's our competition selling digitally. So for them to go, hey, go to your local store – that's pretty cool for, for them to do that. So Marvel's finally getting a little more proactive on that. And uh, the other thing is they just announced, I think today or yesterday, um, Marvel's going to do something to advertise in movie theaters. I'm assuming it'll be, hey, look, we're going to have a 30-second spot in front of a Marvel or Disney movie or whatever, which is, is brilliant. Like, DC's been put, put on TV commercials for DC Rebirth uh, when it first started. They did it now for the graphic novels for a second round, and it's definitely gotten new people in that were like, oh, my God, I had no idea, you know. So it's, mm. it's awesome. Um, and yeah, Marvel, it sounds like they're also going to be a little more proactive with their Facebook, which is what, like 70 million or 100 million people or whatever following their thing. So I hope they get more proactive, point people towards stores, and that's that's awesome. That's the, the best we can ask for is just going, hey, guys, if you like this stuff, you can buy here, not just digitally. We want comic stores to be around still five years, ten years from now selling this stuff. So guiding new customers to us is always a plus, and we definitely appreciate that. Every time they do, like, a live feed or, you know, even sometimes on Periscope, I'll catch, like, uh, what's the name, Agent M or somebody right. that works for Marvel. Like, yeah. I'll catch their live stream sometimes. Right. And, like, the one thing I always, like, try to keep posting is, like, listen, doesn't matter what event you do, if it's not marketable for people to buy it, right. 
you're not going to sell any. Exactly. So, like, every time I get the chance, I always tell them, I always comment, I'm just like, could you bring the price down a little bit? Right, yeah. Could you work towards more of a DC thing here? Like, sure. you guys have arguably one of the best compendiums in right. comics. Sure. Do something with it. I Make agree. it more accessible. Yeah. That's just it. So yeah, they, they definitely um, they definitely need to need to get a little more. I, I think in the the problem with Marvel, and it sounds like they finally understand what the problem is. They have a handful of retailers that are yes men, and they love everything they do. But the problem is those stores aren't growing. Like some of those, there, there's one or two stores. Um, there's a store I've had a few words with back and forth, and um, that store is like, oh man, Marvel's so great to me. Marvel's so great to me. Well, what are your sales like? Oh, I sold 25 Civil War. I'm like, that's that's great, but that's not exactly giant numbers. Um, we, we were selling, we were, we were thinking we could sell about 100 Civil War, and we weren't quite hitting those numbers. So it's, um, it's whatever whatever your store sells, whether it's 2 or 3 or 5 or 10, whatever, that's great. But if you're, all you're talking about is how great Marvel is, and then you give up your numbers for the same week for Batman number 1, and you sold 25 Civil War, and you sold 32 Batman, I think you're actually, yeah, Marvel's price is higher, but at the same time, you have more people coming in to buy Batman, and this is a story that's notoriously, I hate DC, DC sucks, DC sucks. Imagine if you weren't ripping on DC all the time, you'd actually sell even more of it. So, Mm -hmm. I just think it's funny that Marvel seems to listen to the same five retailers that go, yeah, Marvel's great, Marvel's great, Marvel's great, they never seem to, they're the people that can fix the problem, and they haven't, and Marvel's seen other retailers abandon them and go, Nope, I'm only ordering just this for the shelves, you know. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's, it's definitely um, don't put yourself in an echo chamber and then get surprised when the other 2,200 retailers are like, nope, whatever they're saying, we're doing the opposite and our sales are great. They're just not great on Marvel products. So you guys got to fix your stuff and you know, uh, hopefully we'll sell more Marvels. What it comes down to. So now, do you? you I know you're a DC guy. Does the Venomverse? Uh, Event? The is edge that... of, uh, yeah, the edge of Venomverse or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, we'll we'll see. I mean, I think it's cool. It sounds like they're bringing back Eddie Brock finally. Uh, mm. A lot of people thought it was weird when they launched a new Venom book, and it was like, wait, you launched a new Venom book, but it doesn't have Eddie Brock. You took out the guy who's been Venom the last few years, and you know, it's been it's been eight or God, it's been about ten years since they've had Eddie Brock as Venom. A lot of people have been begging for that character to Agent, come back. I feel like Agent Venom wasn't bad. Oh, yeah. It was just it just. It, a lot of the diehards are like right. Eddie Brock. Exactly. And... I mean, they they've had Eddie Brock a little bit as the the anti venom stuff, and yeah. it's um it's been well received. But at the same time, um, I think it's interesting that the new the new take on Venom currently running right now, um, that just launched a few few issues ago is um, has got a thing where the guy is the jerk and the suit is like, no, no, we want to try and be more peaceful. And the guy's like, no, oh, fuck this. I'm going to use this and kill as many people as I can. And <laughs> so they've got a lunatic that's running around in the suit now. And it's it's a great take. The writer's done a great job. But um, hands down, I think that they need to... Um, I, they're, they're bringing Eddie Brock back between issues. It sounds like he's going to be on the last page of issue five and issue six, which becomes Venom 150. Uh, they're, they're, Marvel's very creative when it comes to numbering, and it's funny that they'll be like, oh, look, we're on issue, uh, what would be uh, 499 and 498. Suddenly we're going to go to 500, and then three issues later launch with the new number one anyway. So it's funny that Marvel's launched so many things with the new number one that now they're starting to go back to legacy numbering, and Venom's the first one to do that. Even though there's no Venom issue 148 or 149, they're adding up all the different miniseries, all the, the few ongoings, the 18 issue over here, the 12 issue over there, whatever and coming up with, hey, look, grand total of Venom comics that are just Venom, 
Uh, this comes to issue 150, just in time to bring back Eddie Brock as the new Venom. So it's it's an interesting take. Uh, it'll be a, a wild experiment to see how it goes. And just, you can only relaunch with the number one uh, so many years in a row doing it once a year where it doesn't mean anything anymore. So I think that's where, they, where they've where they hit, and it's it's they're seeing such diminishing returns that they have to realize, hey guys, look, Detective relaunched, and it just hit issue 950, and we sold a ton of copies. Action Comics just this week came out with 975. They're right about to hit issue 1000 in, in a year's time. That's awesome, you know, and it's... Uh, DC, of course, they're, they're kind of slightly regret not cha- not keeping those numbers there when they relaunched their whole line five years, six years ago. But at the same time, to show they were serious, that was the only the second Detective Comics number one in history and the second Action Comics number one in, in you know history after you know 75, 80 years, which mm-hmm. is which is saying something. But um, but yeah, they're they're uh, I think I think Marvel's on the right track with the uh, hopefully less is more. I mean, they're about to relaunch all these X books with a new number one and some shakeups and stuff, but. I just Astonishing think they, X-Men. I right, think, yeah. yeah. They just showed that. It's got a pretty good lineup. But anyone that liked Uncanny X-Force by Rick Remender a few years ago, hopefully this lineup will be good. And I think it's Charles Sewell, who's a, who's an awesome writer, uh, real, one of the best guys that's writing for Marvel. So um, I think that book will be well-received. But they just don't need to put out 20 different X-Books and then wonder why. Oh, why aren't people buying these? Because they can't afford four ninety nine all these number ones. Even the... Um, four ninety nine times 20. <laughs> right, exactly. Even the... Uh, the new number ones, X Men Gold and X Men Blue, a lot of people were excited, and they saw, oh, well, they're going to be three ninety nine, but they're going to be twice a month. And of course, the first issue is four ninety nine. It's like, guys, seriously, eighteen bucks just to try the first four issues in the first month of, of these two books. It's like people are just not feeling excited about that. So they're like, well, DC having biweekly books at two ninety nine, that's the right price. Um, whereas DC's moving a lot of their monthlies up to three ninety nine, which I get it. I see where they're coming from. They're still keeping two thirds of their line, and their publishing will still be two ninety nine, but. When Marvel's got everything in three nine nine, four nine nine, even random issues of five ninety nine, and like next next uh, Amazing Spider-Man, nine dollars and ninety nine cents. People don't want to pay ten dollars for a comic, and you can say everything's important, but that twelve page backup isn't exactly going to knock people's socks off. You know? Is it at least like like an issue a hundred or I mean, something it's like issue that? Issue twenty five, which at this point is as big an anniversary as they're going to get, because yeah. they keep relaunching these books every time they hit issue twenty or issue twenty five or thirty or whatever. So. Yeah, um, Spider-Man, people don't want Spider-Man that's basically uh, Iron Man. They don't want, right now, Spider-Man's a CEO, and it's hard to have, have, you know, here's this billionaire or millionaire or whatever. It's hard to recognize him as this likable everyman when all of a sudden he's not your everyman anymore. Mm -hmm. It's funny that he's taken the Tony Stark role as you've got two Iron Man books and neither one is Tony Stark. So, yeah, it's kind of an interesting time for comics. Uh, Marvel's next big thing is Make Mine Marvel, which is... Um, again, a lot of it's starting with legacy numbering, but they're bringing back the characters they want in the books. Meanwhile, also sometimes having a spinoff going, oh, well, those that want Peter Parker as Peter Parker-type character, here we go. We'll, we're still going to keep Miles Morales because he has his fan base, mm-hmm. and he does. He's caught on, Miss Marvel's caught on, oh, but yeah. you can't just shove, on, shove out every character um, and replace them and go, oh, look, there's two Iron Man books. Neither one has Tony Stark. There's two Hulk books. Neither one has Bruce Banner. You know, it mm-hmm. just it's not working. Like... So yeah, sales-wise, Marvel is in a in a scary place right now, and more and more retailers every week are like, "Man, I'm just done drinking the Kool-Aid and ordering the variants and this and that and whatever. I just I'm gonna order what I can sell, and that's gonna be a low number. And oh well, you know, until they sort it out and give me a reason to, to get people to uh, try these new books, I'm not gonna you know order 50 number ones and go, crap, I only sold 20. What the hell was I thinking? Let me order only 20 or 22 or 25 of the next number one. You know, so. Now, two important questions before we wrap it up. Sure. The one. What had to do with uh, the Venomverse, and that right. was there's a there's a cosplayer. I think I think it's made of might. Right. I think it's her. 
I, I feel bad if it isn't, because I'd just be giving it away. Uh, I believe it's her. She does uh, a Spider-Gwen right. that has the symbiote on it. Oh, and that's it's cool. almost like galactic in the look of it. Nice. And I feel like if they don't do a spider a spider ven- uh, a Gwenum, right. if they don't do a Gwenum, I right. feel like that's uh, a lost thing there, because right. she's she's done such a good job like putting that out there like every time i see it like oh god i wish right i wish i looked sexy enough to wear that right like, i feel like that would be if you showed up to a costume party with that you would win no matter right, what because right. it's like galactic in the look and yeah. like it flows and it's got the hood right so like i feel like if they don't do that which i hope they do they've got a lot of good venom stuff you know right. from the last 15 years at least yeah. they've got they've got enough there to put out something good so. right well they there is a there is a Gwenum character believe it or not so far she's only appeared on the cover of a very I think it's Guardians of Nowhere issue 2 okay. uh, whatever it is um, they basically talked about Gwenum fighting Spider-Gwen for like a year long story and that was like the next big thing and now it was like 6 or 8 months ago and we think they either pushed that back or whatever and realized okay maybe a year long story so even if they turn it into a 3 or 4 issue story we should see Gwenum sooner than later. Uh, I don't think it's exactly what the. Uh, I honestly think the cosplayer might have be, might have beat them to the punch. Mm-hmm. Just as more and more. I mean, that's the cool thing is we're seeing cosplayers that are coming up with super clever. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes it's just a pun here or there or whatever. But super clever takes on characters. We're like, oh man, imagine if there was a venomized version of this character. Imagine if there was this or that. Like this month's um, Marvel variants. Every month they have a different theme, and this one is uh, venomized characters. So this one's like, oh, here's the X Men cover, and it's got a venomized Storm, and a venomized Old Man Logan, and venomized, you know, all the characters on that team. So um, yeah, they're doing some clever stuff. They're doing some interesting. Some of the covers are are meh, and some of the covers are amazing. The the Clayton Crane has drawn a lot of Venom. He drew Venom vs Carnage and stuff. Um, he uh, he drew the Captain Marvel cover that just looks awesome. And there's certain certain covers of that that are like, oh my god, this is going to be great. And I know down the road some of these covers are going to be like $50 books on eBay because just not enough storage ordered them and at least Marvel I gotta say they were they were smart in the um what we had to do to jump through hoops like the the joke with Marvel is like on the third Thursday of February do a rain dance and then you can get this variant it was like Jesus <laughs> Christ guys like you're asking me to like go above and beyond some of the stuff they're doing now for for a few months Marvel's overshipping with no warning and no like opt out which don't get me wrong i'll take all the free comics they want to give me worst case scenario we're gonna have the best selection of free comic day stuff because i ordered 32 of ivx number zero mm. and got 16 extra for free thank you for 16 extra free of a 5.99 book but i'd rather you put that money whatever that costs you into advertising to a new audience or put even a little like blurb on shield hey those of you that like the inhuman stuff and the agents of shield go check out ivx where the avengers or where the uh and humans are fighting the whole five percent of you. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. Those that, those that are into it. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's just it. Is Marvel for a while was doing overshipping and a few other tricks to make their uh, make their uh, items going to stores numbers seem higher. And then they the next few months they're more reasonable where they're like, oh, you order twenty, here's two more for free. Here's ten percent overship. I was like, that makes more sense because yeah. if I got sixteen extra for free and I ordered thirty two. And I only sold 27 or 28. Yeah. yeah, thanks for the extra copies, but people are going to be like, are you sure you're giving away this $6 book on free comic day? I'm like, well, I am. I'm hoping you like it enough to come back and buy one, two, three, four. You know, but I, I'm not holding my breath that, that they're all going to get um, get read or get new people into it. So, yeah, the Venomized variants, at least Marvel was realistic. It was like, hey, order 90% of what you ordered three months ago on this book. I was like, that's much better than order 250% of this, and then you can order this. And it's like, guys... 
you you were asking me to order three times, four times what I can sell, and it's just out of control. Um, I have another friend that owns several stores in Florida, um, and he basically was like, oh, yeah, for this book, Slapstick, they wanted me to order, in order to qualify for variants, I would have had to order 428 copies. I was like, Jesus Christ. I was like, that's insane, because they set it up against the Deadpool number, because he's barely tied into Deadpool. I was like, how many did you order total? He goes, between six stores... 28 copies. I was like, Jesus Christ, he said. What? So yeah, he missed it by 400 copies. And he's like, that's okay. I'm, he goes, I, I'll be shocked if we sell 28 between six stores. I was like, holy shit. I only ordered seven or eight number ones, and, and I think we sold exactly one less than what we ordered before the overships, so I think I ordered eight and sold seven. So, yeah, it's kind of kind of just crazy that they thought 428 was a fair number for him, and same thing, we would have had to hit, like, 85 or 90 copies. I was like, I missed that one by about 75, uh, you know. But, uh, yeah, it's just kind of crazy that um, Mar- Marvel is starting to realize retail. no one's going to jump for their variants or extra discounts or whatever if it is order three times what you can sell. It's like, no thanks. I'm, I'm not exactly a mathematician, but I always do the math when I can and go, oh, this makes me more money, puts extra copies on the shelf, let's do it. Mm-hmm. But if the numbers just don't make sense, it doesn't make sense. I don't want to have, you know, order 50 and then have 25 or 30 left and go, crap, why did I waste that money on that? They could have gone to a better book or something else that's, that's seeing more support from the market. So, sorry, other than the, what was the other, you said you had one more question? I'm glad you got it to variants, because right, that sure. was great. Uh, I wasn't expecting that. The last question was, now with Action Comics and Detective Comics approaching their, you know, 1,000th right. issue. Giant anniversary, right. Giant anniversary. Right. I know it's far and beyond, far and beyond their power to be able to do something like this. Right. And I, as much as I wish that they could, uh like wish list type of thing 1000 variants right <laughs> and would you get them all not no way yeah. uh, variants are so out of control it doesn't it doesn't mean anything anymore the venomized variants is the first month where i ordered almost every one there's only one or two i think i didn't qualify for the kingpin one mm-hmm. and that's cuz it was like kingpin order blah 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 what you saw on daredevil order you know 150% of this and i was like there was just a recent Kingpin series that tied into Civil War, and it was, well, everyone who read it enjoyed it. We were only selling 10 copies. So for Kingpin mm-hmm. number two, I would have had to order 19 or 20. And I'm like, look, we only sold this, and sure enough, we sold eight or nine maybe of the new number one. We sold less than the three and four of the previous series. So, yeah, so we didn't jump through that hoop, and I was I was right to do that because I would have had to order double what I could sell just to get that variant. Realizing now that's the only one I'm missing out of this set, you know, so, but so you can find a, it. You can find it online for right. twelve bucks. Yeah, exactly. And... I mean, they're they're mostly hitting you know eight or eight or ten bucks. Or so it's not the end of the world. But at the same time, I think out of twenty five, twenty six variants, I think I'm only missing the one. And I'm kind of like, well, I, I thought there would be more. I wouldn't jump through hoops on. But it just happened. The Kingpin was from the first week of release, which was last week, and it was it was one we weren't going to qualify for. Whereas almost all the rest. Normally though, I don't play the variant games, and when I do, it's like, oh look, I put, I get them. We put them out of cover. And even at cover price, no one's biting, so it's just not worth chasing after those. The, the Venom ones are probably the only um, variants I can think of that I really feel like, you know, six months from now, a year from now, people are going to be like, oh, I need that Wolverine version of Venom. I need the Spider-Man Deadpool issue Venom. I need the, you know, like, I feel like that that's definitely something. Uh, I don't think D- DC does two covers on all their books. They're fully accessible where I can mm-hmm. order whatever I want with no qualifiers. And uh, maybe they'll do something special and go, hey, look, we'll do one in 50 or whatever. But I don't think they're going to pull, hey, look, here's a 1,000 variants. Or here's even, like, Marvel lately has been doing a one in a 1,000 variant. And I'm like, guys, 
how many stores are ordering this? And it's funny because when they first did the with first twenty movie, with twenty two hundred shops, correct? Right. That means you would have to go to right. half of the stores, right? I in mean, the country. Yeah, it's just it's some of these some of these at the same time were. Um, there were stores that, that did it, and then they started going, oh, hey, if you did an exclusive and you did 3,000 copies of your own cover and blah, 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 here you qualify for three of these. But then most stores are like, oh, wow, I only sold 800 of my 3,000. I've lost money when it's all said and done after paying the artists. And the, Yeah, like your average store that said, hey, we tried this, it didn't work, it was worth a shot, uh, something different. Um, variants have just gotten so out of control that it's definitely not something we push. I mean, some stores thrive off that stuff, and they're, mm. oh, well, this cover is $27, and this cover is whatever, and it's just, some of it's an uphill battle. But, um, yeah, for, for us, for the most part, we, we are a reader store. We definitely want people to, to read comics, and we're, hey, try this with a money-back guarantee. Try this comic or graphic novel. You don't like it, we'll give you your cash back. That's if you can't find anything to replace it with. You know, and no no questions, no, oh, no, we had to have it back the next day, you know. And that's worked real well. Once or twice a month, someone goes, ah, I, I tried Chew, and it was it was okay. It just wasn't for me. It was too violent. Or, okay, that's fine. Try something else. If you can't find anything else, here's your cash back. And, you know, no one's really abused the policy where they were like, oh, man, I didn't like Preacher. It sucked. Can I trade Preacher 1 for Preacher 2? Wait a minute. <laughs> you know, no one's really abused that policy or anything, so we all, we've kept it, uh, you know, kept it active, and it's, mm-hmm. it seemed to work out pretty well. So Even, even myself, I've used that policy. Like, right. I double-bought titans number four i right, think yeah and i was just like oh i thought i already i thought i didn't get four yet let me just get number five because yeah. i double bought four exactly it happened so yeah we're pretty laid back about that we're not we're not going to grill someone and be like you didn't drop drop it back off the next day or like whatever yeah we, we don't care it, it happens and i bag and board all my stuff so right. that's yeah. that's right as long as it doesn't come back destroyed we're, we're good to go with that so that's always yeah. always worked out well for us so cool cool all right i think that about wraps it up so uh what Inhumans? Uh, oh yeah, the show. They're they're doing that now. Uh, so the Inhumans uh, Marvel TV show, they just finished casting. They're doing uh, they're doing some production right now in Hawaii. Uh, uh, the the big casting I remember they did for it was a uh, uh, a lost uh, main cast member who's going to be playing one of the royal family. Right, I think. Is it Karnak, maybe? I know yeah, it's... Um, Karnak. Yeah, He's playing Karnak. He was... Uh, oh, my God. I feel... I've lost one of my favorite shows of all time. I feel like I should know the... the uh, Ken something, I think. Yeah, he was the... Um, yeah, he was kind of the... the out of the, the quote-unquote Fantastic Four and Lost. Like, Brian K. Vaughn come up, mostly came up with those characters and mm-hmm. kind of said their personalities were based off... They the, were from the... Yeah, they were from the, the Not Penny's Boat. Yeah. yeah, right. So they were... That was pretty interesting. Um, and, yeah, they... Um, yeah, so overall they've got a great cast list from what we've seen so far. Yeah, Ken, uh, Ken Leung, I think yes. is his name. Yeah, That's he it. was um he was uh was uh, I think it was Miles from Lost. I think that was the yep. the character's name. So yeah, he he uh overall they've done an awesome job on getting the casting together. And um, such a short amount of time too. They uh when Agents of Shield came back with LMD, I believe it was that week like they had said uh, we're scrapping the Inhumans movie. Right. We are just going to make a miniseries. Right. Eight, eight episodes. We're going to show it on TV. And that'll be it. That's what you guys will have. Uh, it, they, they've invested a lot of time into Inhumans, I think. Right. I didn't think that a movie was the right option anyway. I kind of agree, right. Inhumans and X-Men. I feel like X-Men movies are great. Right. I'm glad that we have six of them. Plus... Right. You know, one-shot movies with Wolverine and Deadpool now. Yeah. With stories that have so many characters. You have 100-plus Inhumans right. on the planet, 100-plus X-Men on the planet. 
you're not going to be able to get all that story in two and a half hours. Right. You need the hour of exposition for each episode to be able to do something like that. Yeah. You saying that those characters from the freighter from Lost were the Fantastic Four. Right. That hits me. I'm just like, damn it, that's right. Yeah. They're like, they because of the way that they acted and the way that they were. That's the perfect they analogy were to that. Super protective of like of the their female character, like in like you know Sue Storm. That yeah, that one of them was yeah. So it, it was interesting. I mean, and that's a cool thing. That was um, I'm a little again, I'm a little biased. Brian K. Vaughn, my favorite comic writer of all time. He wrote for a few seasons of Lost, and he was the one that kind of mm-hmm. kind of came up with their personalities and was like, you know, this is the FF. You got this big gruff guy, and you got this hot head, and you got you know the brilliant brilliant mathematician or uh, scientist, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it was just an awesome awesome group of characters, and yeah, definitely added a whole new dimension to Lost and, you know, didn't feel forced at all. Uh, and yeah, they did a great job with those characters. So it'll be cool. Um, cool seeing, uh, seeing one of them on the cast of uh, The Inhumans. I just like the, the set photo they took of the giant blue lockjaw that right. they yeah. had. Right. It's like, how long have you been sitting on that thing? That's sure. cut out of foam and everything. Yeah, that's pretty wild. So, And then, yeah, they, uh, they also have um, uh, Sorinda Swan. I think she was, like, Zaytana in Smallville. She's been, she was had that tiny bit part in, like, The Walking Dead, uh, not passage, but one of the other lead ups. Like they, they have the things oh, that the always flight. Uh, not the flight one, but the not the, the the first or second. I think the second one they did, whatever was like between season three and four or something. One of the ones that was ex- like in between the episodes and also mm-hmm. on AMC. So she had a small part in that. She um so and yeah, I forget she's been in one or two other like kind of nerdy uh, nerdy things, a bunch of like sci fi movies. Um, uh, also uh, Ramsey Bolton, a, who was Simon in Miss in uh, in in Misfits, which is another phenomenal he will show. Be playing Maximus the Man. Yeah, he's a great I, fit for that. So that's gonna be awesome. I have no doubt that he will do fine, especially because he's coming off of. First, playing Ramsey Bolton, one of right. the most hated characters on TV in the last year. Right. His current character that he's playing right now is literally Hitler. Right. <laughs> he's literally playing Hitler right now. So going into being this madman that has godlike powers, I feel like it's just a natural transition for him at right. this point. Just to be able to get to that peak. I don't know where he goes from there, but... I think as this character, he will be fine. And yep. then playing Black Bolt, uh, as much as we all wanted Vin Diesel to do it, uh, it is, I believe his name's Austin, and he was on the AMC show Hell on Wheels. Oh, um, I think it's Anson Mount. Anson, yeah, Anson, Anson. Right. Austin Anson. Right. An- Anson. Yeah, and he, I think he was the very lead of, uh, of Hell on Wheels, right? I think pretty much one of the leads. One of one the of leads, yeah. So yeah, cool. I so. I I have high hopes for the show, and I'm yep. glad that it is something is being done with it because, right. as much as I like them saying, yeah, we're gonna go with a movie, I never felt like that was the right choice. Right, I, I think, think uh, t- I'm I'm right there with you. I think a TV series will be a better fit, and um and just yeah, hopefully. Um, it's cool. It's it's kind of funny that you know they obviously had the humans as a pretty big plot point the last few seasons of Agents of Shield. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew they kind of stayed away from the royal family as they wanted to wanted to turn that into a movie. So I, I understand, but that that's the real strength is these characters um, is the the you know um, the royal family of the humans. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, see how they come together with this series and and i think it'll be a be a great hit there's um my favorite inhuman story is one from uh marvel's marvel's really really like kicking into overdrive Ni- uh, 1999 and 2000 joe Quesada took over like when the history books are written on comics after nights yeah yeah i mean just uh, yeah the marvel knights did a, did a line was phenomenal it was like the the punisher there with the team from preacher just was amazing 
Um, Daredevil by Joe Quesada and Kevin Smith was phenomenal. Uh, Black Panther by Christopher Priest and uh, Mark Texier and, and Joe Jesco. They um, they did an awesome, awesome job with that stuff. Uh, but yeah, in Humans, um, there's a series by Paul Jenkins and Jay Lee, and they just absolutely knocked it out of the park. These were characters I was like, out of all four of those, I was like, man, I just don't really get the Inhumans yet, and then read this, and I'm reading halfway through, and I'm like, where's the story going? And I was like, holy shit, just one of the best, um, the, probably the best in human story. Um, and just, I, I hope that they base the series, uh, loosely on, on that 12 issue run. Cause that just really made me care about characters. I just didn't really get in the Marvel universe before that. So yeah, so it, they've got a rich history. They've been around since I think 65, 66, something like that. Early issues of FF mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, the, the mid to late sixties. And, um, yeah, I think, I think they've got a lot of cool stuff to pull from. So hopefully they kind of go from that. I know they are going to work in a lot of the characters that, um, Charles soul created, in the recent um, last few years of Inhuman series, so um, they've already had uh, had Lash on um, Agents, of, Agents Shield. of Shield, but yeah, I, I think they'll work in some new ones. So it'll be a good mix of, of uh, classic Inhuman characters and some new ones. So yeah, I think it'll be a good good fit for a TV show. All right, uh, before we wrap up for good, uh, we have I have an event I want to announce, and I know you have a couple things coming up too. Uh, I want to announce that I will be returning to Florida Polycon at Florida Polytechnic University. That is the first Saturday of April. I will be doing a live podcast from there. Uh, it's the second year that I'll be doing it, and I'm glad that they invited me back and accepted my panel again. Uh, other than that, just keep an eye out. I'm reworking a lot of... Uh, podcast stuff right now because i'm also getting into youtube gaming so i want to i want to start diversifying out a little bit instead of you know i need to do a podcast every week so i think you know going for more at least doing one a month i think will be manageable for now until maybe the summertime where i might get down to maybe doing two a month so uh I know you have a couple things coming up, so go right ahead. Um, big thing coming up. Um, coming up next week, we're doing uh, Melbourne Toy and Comic Con. It's going to be a great, uh, great one-day show on Sunday, March 19th. And uh, yeah, basically uh, over 100 different dealer tables, uh, all sorts of people coming from Orlando and some even from out of state. It's a, a great, affordable $10 show. Uh, and if you pop in and grab a coupon from here, you get in for only five bucks. Uh, we'll even be at Cineworld, I think, this week and possibly next week, handing out more, giving out more free tickets. If you spin the prize wheel, you can win that and some pop vinyls and graphic novels, other other cool promos. Uh, every week we do different trivia at Broken Barrel. It's always fun. Uh, we have some big stuff coming up soon, like um, Walking Dead trivia, Game of Thrones, Disney animated movies and theme parks, uh, Harry Potter trivia, Lord of the Rings, kind of stacking the deck leading up to Free Comic Day, just so we can hit that audience. And, um, yeah, Free Comic Day Saturday, May 6th. Everyone gets 10 free comics. Uh, artists here drawn free sketches and people in costume, all sorts of fun. And just, yeah, every Saturday in May, uh, the first three Saturdays in May, we're going to be giving away all these free comics. Spend three bucks or more, just buy any one comic for two ninety nine, you're covered. And, uh, you get a free graphic novel in the third week. And then, uh, the fi- end of that month will be a Megacon. So we're kind of, this first year we're cutting down to just three weeks. So just show up three weeks, you get a free graphic novel. And, uh, and yeah, leading up to, um, Megacon, which will have eight booths over there. I think we have one of the biggest setups, so it's always, always fun, but... It's uh, it's an adventure. We pretty much bring our whole store with us. So, um, but yeah, that's uh, that's what's going on over at Famous Faces. So, all right, that's been episode thirty-two with the owner of Famous Faces and Funnies here in Melbourne, Florida, Rick Shea. Thank you everybody for checking it out, and we'll see you soon. <laughs>